Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Buckle up, everyone. Buckle up. We're going to continue the sugya that we learned last night, uh, beginning with the discussions of uh, whether or not peros are kikinian or not. Um, as we've, we had mentioned that when a woman brings certain properties into a marriage, namely nechsei melug, nechsei melug as opposed to nechsei tzon barzel, nechsei melug is where a woman brings properties into a marriage, where she maintains the right to the principal, and the baal maintains the right to the fruits, to the peros. In contrast, nechsei tzon barzel is where she brings something into the marriage that functions more like a dowry, where she just gives it to him, and he basically keeps it. And what we've been discussing and what we saw was a machlokas Rav Yochanan and Reish Lakish was whether or not we say that peros are kigufta. I mean, do we equate, do we have an equivalence between the peros and the principal such that if she owns the principal, can she sell it in light of the fact that the peros belong to him? Yes or no? That's the machlokas that we have between uh, Rav Yochanan and Reish Lakish. So we're picking up about three-fourths of the way down, about, I don't know, 15 to 20 lines before the bottom of the page on Pechas and Beis. The Gemara says, thank you. Wow, subtle like a sledgehammer. <laughs> the Gemara says, V'anon, hashta, ben Rav Yirmiya, ben Rav Abba, ben Rav Yirmiya, ben Abba, uvein Rav Yehuda, the Gemara says as a Havamina that at this point I would have thought potentially that Kareb Shimon ben Lakish Svirulahu, that we hold like the Shimon of Rib Shimon ben Lakish, that a uh, a son who sells an item as mentioned yesterday in full detail, that he is able to have that Kenyan take place even if the son dies before the father. But the Ka'amar Abirmiya Bar Abba, Isalka Daitach Kenyan Peros Kikinyan Agufdami. If in fact you're of the opinion, that Kenyan Peros is like Kenyan Haguftami, then Kimais Abu Maisia ben Ab, if the son dies in the lifetime of the father, Amai Isle Lelokea. No. Kimais Hav, Umais Haben Ab, if the father dies, but the son died in the lifetime of the father. The Gemara does have an odd language here. You're correct about that. It was not written, the language is not smooth, but it does mean that the son died in the lifetime of the father. So then, that son never took ownership of the item because the condition that would have fulfilled his ownership was the father's death, but his death preceded the father's death. Because of in high, when the child sold that which the mother gave him, it wasn't even his to sell. It must therefore be that the machlokas between Rav Yehuda and Rav Yirmiya Bar Abba was, Shmamina, the Machlokes about Kenyan Peros Lav Kenyan Haguftami. And that means that according to the Shita uh, that allows for the sale to take place, namely the Shita Rav Shem Ben Lakish, that must be that Kenyan Peros is Lav Kenyan Guf Haguftami. So again, a Machlokes showing its face again as to whether or not within the world of Nech Malud we have an inextricable relationship, an inseparable relationship between the Peros and the Karen, or not? Do we say that the Karen can be sold even though the Peros still have rights? And that Machlokes is Rav Yochanan and Reish Lakish respectively. So Adru Lakame Rav Yehuda, after talking things over with Rav Yirmiya Bar Abba, they brought it back to Rav Yehuda. Amar Lahu, he said, Hachi Amar Shmuel. This case that we've been dealing with, where the son preceded the death of the father after selling that which he shouldn't have sold, which was the nichse malu. So Shmuel says, you can't learn anything from there to our Mishnah. 
My time, first of the very long lines on Pechas and Bez, Amar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, Bishlama, I could understand Yitani Ipcha if our Mishnah had discussed things in reverse order. If a child were to have written written uh, as an inheritance for his untimely death toward his father, there, says the Gemara, I could have been able to understand that Kenyan HaPerus are not the same as Kenyan HaGufta. I mean, no problem. The reverse, that HaKosev Nechasev Livno, Mishum that it's different because a, a child gets a Yerusha from a father, but a father doesn't get a Yerusha from a child. So perhaps, says the Gemara, this is the reason, Rav Yosef explains, that perhaps this is the reason why our Mishnah is not comparable to the case of uh, of the son who died and had sold it right before he died. Amar Le'abai says that's ridiculous, actually. He says that makes no sense. Why? Because Atu Bura Yaris Abba. We know that a son will inherit his father, but Abalo Yaris Bira, if a son dies, who gets his money? The father. You want to call it a Yerusha, you can call it whatever you want. But Lamaisa, when all the chips fall, if the son dies, the father gets to pick up that Yerusha. These are, these are Shilas. When, uh, if the son dies, children. Correct. But these are shilas if uh, the wife is involved, if there's kids, if the kids are ketanim, if they're lekuchos, there's a lot of iterations of this. But the assumption of the Gemara, like you're all saying, is exactly correct, is that he was a single man. Ella says the Gemara must be that what we're talking about is where the son who sold the nechsei meluk, where he's trying to avoid giving it to his own children. That's a little bit uh, not so gishmak. So hachanami, in our case, maybe we should say the same thing. That hachanami la'avruchin me'achva'asi, that he's trying to get it away from, from other people in his family, from his brothers. So therefore, this, diff this difference that Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yosef wanted to say in the name of Shmuel between our case and the Mishnah, that really isn't a difference. So the Gemara tries again. Elamai eno doma la Mishnah. The Mishnah Seinu, what does it mean? It means that the difference between our case and the case of the Mishnah is Mishum Takonos Usha. This is something that we learned about a while ago. We learned about it in Ksubis in a couple of places. What is Takonos Usha? The Gemara says, three lines from the bottom. The Amar of Yosei Bar Chanina. The Usha Hiskinu, Aisha Shemachra Benichse Meluk Bechai Baila, Umesa. If a woman sells that which she brought into the marriage, but that thing, the husband has access to peros. So then, So then the din is that the husband, if she sells it, the husband can always go to the person that she sold to and say, sorry, buddy, my wife sold that which is mine. That is takanas usha. Takanas usha, again, is that if a woman sells her nechse mulug and then she dies, then the husband has the right to go to the people to whom she sold this item, this nechse maluk, and collect it. Even if he didn't do it when she was alive, the time lapse? What do you mean? No, we're talking about where she sold it, not where he sold it. Right, she sold it. She okay. sold it and then she died. She sold it and then he died. The but sale's fine. Huh? So she sells it. She sells it, let's say, on January 1st, and she dies on January 3rd. So on January 4th, the husband can go to the Lakujos to whom she sold the Nechzei Malug and just collect them. That's Takana Susha. So on January 2nd? No. 
Nothing. And only until she dies. Mm -mm. That's Takanas Usha. In a regular, in a regular normal Bezdin, if that were to have happened, yes, but Takanas Usha was an override. And the Meforshim here explained that the reason why the Chachamim overrode the normal rule was because of Eva. We didn't want to have a scenario of bad husband-wife politics. And if they were, for the duration of the time that she was married before she died, that marriage is on the rocks because she sold the Nechsei Maluk. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like selling your diamond ring. You know, like you're selling the thing that you brought to the marriage. It's iconic. And it, and if you do that, it's bad for the marriage. So Takonas Usha was kind of like a, let's call it a Shalom bias intervention of sorts, uh, whatever. It's, this was before couples therapy. This was, uh, I just tried to get a couple into couples therapy. They called me for advice. I sent them to couples therapy. Everyone is full. Everyone is full. So we have uh, we have what to work on. Anyways, on to happier, more complex news. Amar of Idibar Oven, Afana Nami Tanina. We actually have this idea already listed in a Mishnah. Last line of Pechas and Beis. Let's say that there were witnesses. We'll soon see that these witnesses were Edim Zomimit. But what was the testimony that they gave? That a man divorced his wife and paid the Ksuba. Okay. And uh, and they were married and now they are uh, now they're not married. So what were they trying to do? They were trying to say she shouldn't collect the ksuba. And they lied. We would not say that she needs to get paid her whole ksuba, even though it seems that that's what they were striving to do. Ella says the Gemara only tovas hanoas ksubasa. Only the tovas hana of the ksuba. And what is the tovas hana of the ksuba that the Edim Zomamin would have to pay? Ezehu tovas hanas ksubasa. Says the Gemara, the way we measure the tovas hana, which is a small amount of money, is omdin kama adam rotsa litain biksuba shelzu. How much would a man pay a woman for her ksuba? Sheim nis armala o nis So that in the event that uh, the the ksuba ever needs to be collected, he keeps it. So let's say she says, look, my ksuba is worth 200 zuz. Um, you can buy it for me today for 50, right? She's hedging. She just needs the money. So because she needs the money, she's willing to sell her 200 zuz ksuba for less. Okay, sometimes that happens. We make decisions. Like, it's called taking a loan. We do this all the time where we where we we, we buy money at a, at a ridiculous rate. Uh, you know, we do the credit cards, same thing. We spend money and we say, I'll spend $100 today, even though in aggregate over time, if I hold it on my credit card, I'll pay 24% a year. I'll pay 124% on the $100 by the end of the year. She, uh, or she really needed the money right now. Whichever. Right, right, right. She She profits. She profits. Well, nothing changes for her because for her, she gets her 50 and she, she'll she never get the 200. Live or die, meaning at the end of the day, all she's getting is 50. So she made that transaction today because she had a loan shark. That's the opposite scenario. But that was the decision, was to pay, was to sell for 50. and. She's hedging, she's hedging, yeah. What? 
Mm -hmm. So that's what the Gemara says is, is called Tova Sana. And remember, the guy who buys the Ksuba, his one aspiration is that she should get divorced. Because that's when he can go and effectuate what, what this document is. If she dies, she dies. He doesn't. Fire is doing good. Right. He's he, he paid, paid for the after guy. Yep. Oh right. Yep. Correct. Yeah. This is not a good scenario. Basically, I mean, it's 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 good for almost nobody. Uh, you know, again, there's a gamble on the buyer. She gave up 150. Again, I'm making up the numbers, but she gave up 150 of her ksuba. Okay. So this is called tovasana, and the edim zomimin would have to pay this. The imesa. If she were to have died, Yiroshena Baila, her husband would have been Yoresh. Um, what would he have been Yoresh? The 50. He would have been Yoresh, the Tovas Hana, not the Ksuba. The Ksuba was sold. Okay. If you want to say that there is no Takonas Usha, namely that she's allowed to keep the money, why would the husband inherit the money? She could have just sold her ksuba outright. Why would she have gone through all of this complexity? So Amar Abaye, don't say that, because he wriggles out of the answer by saying maybe this case isn't talking about like we were talking about, but rather is talking about a case of which are not the same. And now the Gemara jumps into a very nuanced and complex conversation about Tova Sana. Amar Abaye, on Pei Tessamit Aleph, about a quarter of the way down, a little bit less. Amar Abaye, Tova Sana, Hol Ve'asal Yadon, name of Milsa. Why don't we have a schmooze about uh, Tova Sana? If it were me, I would have chosen another conversation, but Abaye felt that this was an appropriate conversation. Tova Sana Le'isha Havya. When there is a case of tovasana, that money remains the property of the wife. So let's say the woman had a loan shark out against her. She had a 200 zuz ksuba and she needed to get $50 today and she had no money to her name. So she sells her, her ksuba for tovasana. Again, the number we're using is that it's 50 zuz against the 200. So she's hedging that she, she doesn't, she's not hedging, she's trading, he's hedging. So she says, I'll take the 50. The isalkadaitach labal havya. If you want to say, if we might have thought perhaps that the, the Tova Sana money does go to the Baal, Lame Rula Edim, the Edim, the Edim Zomamin could have said, My Afsidinach, what, what loss did I cause for you? If the Tova Sana were to have gone to somebody else, if it were to have gone to the husband, Ihavas Mizavnas law, the Tova Sana, Baal Havashakil Minach. So maybe in the case of Edim Zomamin at the top of the page that we saw where we said that they should only pay the Tovasana, maybe the Edim Zomamin shouldn't even pay the Tovasana if that Tovasana anyways goes to the Baal. So therefore it must be that it doesn't go to the Baal. And says the Gemara, Omar Rav Shalman, Mishum Revach Besa. They said that's not a very good argument because even if it's true that she doesn't get to keep those dollars, those 50 zuz, but 50 zoos is a real, that's a real, you know, you're flush with cash now. That, that's bank. That's a lot of money. What's a, a, a get $10,000 in my, I don't know exactly what the numbers are. It's a lot of money. This is $2,500. And that's revach besa. Now you have a little bit more spending money in the house. And afalpi that the money really isn't 
hers per se, but there's still revach besa, spending at home is a little bit easier this month. And that's considered to be beneficial to her. So that's why the Edom Zomamin would have to pay the Tovasana, even in a case where the husband were to have been the one to take all of her money. Amar Rava, Hilchasa, Tovasana Isha, the Ein Habal Ochel Peros. That when it comes to Tovasana, if a woman sells her ksuva for pennies on the dollar, the halacha is that the woman keeps it and she, the husband gets no Peros, meaning we don't require her to take this money, plant a tree or something that actually has, you know, growing payroll. She doesn't have to invest it in stocks that has payrolls. Nothing. Nothing. She, it's her money. It's her money. My taima. Because pira takinu rabbanan. The rabbis only said that the payrolls of nechse melug belong to the husband. But pira de pira. But the secondary derivatives, which is our case over here, which is tovas hana, that is lo takinu rabbanan. We're talking about when she sells her ksuba for tovasana. But the Chachamim first instituted a ksuba for her protection. So now, when you look at tovasana, you have the ksuba, which was a, was a takanas Chachamim for her. And then the tovasana is a derivative of the takanas, it's pira de pira. So the Gemara says it's not the same as nechse melug. Nechse melug is a halachic construct where whatever she brings, to, not whatever, but it, what she brings in this particular case, she, she buys an orchard, she brings an orchard, her dad gifts it to her when she gets married. The orchard's worth a million dollars and it produces $10 million of fruit. He gets to keep all the fruit and all the proceeds she keeps. So that's a fundamental din of nechse melug. But here the ksuba is pira and the tovasana is pira de pira. So what does he get to keep? Only Pira. But when it comes to Tovasana, he has no rights. That's how Rava Paskins, and that is quoted in the Rambam this way and in Shulchan Arach. Ki Papa Rav When these two Amoraim came from Rav, Amre, they said, Tanina takanas Usha. We learned a din about takanas Usha. Where did we learn it? We learned it in our Mishnah that we learned on Pezayin Amaralev. We had learned then that a slave and a woman engaging with them can lead to bad things because if I were to injure an Evid or an Isha, I'd have to pay. However, if, um, if they were to injure me, an Evid or an Isha, they're potter because they have no money. Now, if you want to say that if you want to say that there isn't takonas usha, namely that she does keep money for herself, then she should have to cash out her to pay me for the damages. Why does our Mishnah say that if she has it must be that the nechsei melug are not hers. It must be that takanas usha is correct, that we had to give over in full, again, whatever that means, because it's not really in full, but we had to make sure that, that the husband held on to these properties. Otherwise, she would have had money to her name, and it wouldn't be pigiyasan ra. Pigiyasan ra assumes that she has no money. But if, if there's no takanas usha, then she does have money, and she would have to cash out elements of her nechsei melug. Says the Gemara, wait, According to you, maybe we can say you're right that there is takonas usha and she's not able to sell the nechse melug in a classical way. 
But Taz ben Maybe she should forego her tovasana and give the tova. She should forego her nechse maluk. She can't use that, but she should get the tovasana of her ksuba and pay the damages. So what we're seeing from here, from the Gemara, is a beautiful question. Our Mishnah on Pezayin and says that Evid ve'isha pigiyasanra, that when it comes to an Evid and an Isha, you should not get involved because if you hurt a woman, you have to pay her. If she hurts you, she doesn't have to pay you. So says the Gemara, must be that there's Takonas Usha. It says the Gemara, fine, there's Takonas Usha. You can't use your Nechse Muluk. But why aren't you cashing out the Tova Sana for your Ksuba to pay your damages? You you can't just not pay me. And the Mishnah says it's it's Pigiyasan Ra, which means that she doesn't have an obligation to cash out her Ksuba for Tova Sana in order to pay for the damages. Ela de Lesla, it must be that there was no nothing left over. Alchanami de Lesla, we would have to say the same over here. Says the Gemara, forget the Tova Sana, but Tazbin Ksuvasa, but Tova Sana, similar question. Says the Gemara, how money, why can't you do that with the Ksuba? Reb Meirhi. A man should not be alone with his wife. He should not wait any time with his wife at all, even Shaachas below Ksuva. The postgame are makbir on this that couples should not have Tashmish Hamita if they don't know where their Ksuba is, as a protective measure for the wife, that she should not be easily discarded in her marriage without uh, getting paid the Ksuba. This comes up semi frequently where people have no idea where their ksuba is. They've moved 10 times, whatever, floods, the chule, just disorganized. So those people should have their ksuba rewritten with new edim. These things do come up. A couple should not be mishamish mitasam without having their ksuba available to them. The time of my eight lines, seven lines from the bottom. This is because So says the Gemara, what are you talking about? You can't get rid of a ksuba because that is for her protection. Says the Gemara, you're right. But hacha lo In this case, where she cashes out the ksuba as tova sana for pennies on the dollar to pay for damages, this is not a concern because the imegarish even if he would divorce her, asu hanach dezavne gavula l'ksuva Remember what's going to happen is that if they get divorced, she sold the ksuba to another person that other person is going to come to him and collect the money. So in this case, there's no reason. The ksuba already is, is working its magic because if he does divorce her, the concern was that if she, if she sold the ksuba, it would have no effect in protecting her. That's not true because the husband still has to pay out, not to her, but he has to pay out to the lakujos who bought who bought her ksuba, betova sana. So let's say they paid 50 and all of a sudden in the paper, they see in the single section that this woman is now single again, recently divorced. They take the document of the ksuba that they bought for pennies on the dollar. They won their gamble. They hedged. And they're going to go cash out. So the Gemara says, maybe a woman really should sell her ksuba for pennies on the dollar, in order to pay off the people that she hurt. And therefore, our Mishnah on Pei Zayin Amar Aleph, which says, wouldn't be correct. Ella says that she actually gives it to her. What she actually gives the ksuba to the buyer before they get before getting divorced. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. It's like giving over a star hope. It's like giving over a star hope to the to the lakujos. They're hedging too. It, what? 
I thought you were like wait a different star or something saying. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I don't think they repurposed. I don't. They could rewrite it. I don't know that the Gemara doesn't discuss that. I don't think they do that. I think it's just like a, it just functions as a star chok. You know, Rachel was married to Shimon. It kind of functions as a star as a star chok. So therefore, the Gemara says that Latova Sana is different. Tovasana is still pigiyasan ra and pezayin. Why is it pigiyasan ra for each? Because tovasana is mili ninhu. It's just words. Very odd. Why? Why is it just words? Umili lo mishtabde. And you can't have uh, a chov. You can't have a set of obligations from words alone. Ask the Gemara. Alamalo. Why not? <laughs> this is not just words. Mili de mizdavne bedinore ninhu. Yes, you're right. There are words that transacted, but those words could lead to actual money. So what are you talking about that Tova Sanoa's words? Ella, you're right. The reason why a woman is still Pigiyasanra is because of the following. The reason why she can't doesn't have to sell her ksuba is Mishum de Shmuel. The Amar Shmuel. Shmuel says, four lines from the bottom on Peites Amad Aleph. Um, I hope to get close to the bottom of Peites Amad Beis. Let's say that I have a star chov uh, that you owe me a thousand dollars. Let's say Rav Yaakov over here owes me a thousand dollars, and I sell it to Stan. So Stan can now collect. And Stan wanted, uh, I needed a little bit of cash. I sold it to Stan for nine hundred dollars because I needed cash today, but I couldn't collect from Rav Yaakov for a week. But I needed the cash. It was worth a one hundred dollar loss for me. So mocher star chov lechaveiro, bechazar v'mochlo. And then there was mechila on the star, machul. Again, stands already, but he's bugged. He's the same thing. The afilu yoresh mochel. Even the next generation, there's also mechila. So what do we see from over here? What do we see from over here? That maybe if she were to have sold the ksuba, she would have been mochelas, and her husband would have had nothing. There would have been no ksuba anymore. So that's why we wouldn't allow for a woman to sell her ksuba, even betovasana, because if she's mocheles, there's nothing protecting her anymore in her marriage. And then she can rather flippantly, and these things don't happen nowadays this way. We don't, most people, when husbands and wives fight and there's a divorce, like it doesn't hinge upon the, the ksuba as much as it did back in the day. Uh, but our marriages are different. They, they, I don't want to say the marriages then were more flippant, but divorces were easier than they are now. Now you're talking about dividing property and cars and houses and assets and chule and alimony. Very complicated nowadays. So Amri, the Gemara says, So she should sell it and then give it to him. So she should sell it to the husband. And if there's mechila, then she's doing the mechila directly with her husband. But one thing that was a benefit is that she got to pay the person who she hurt. So again, if she, in fact she sold it, she sold her ksuba to her husband, husband is like $50 today or $200 and after our marriage falls apart, he's like, all right. She takes those $50 and pays for the damages to the guy that she knocked out a tooth a couple of days ago when she was down the street. So maybe that should work. Says the Gemara, Amri, We're not going to get involved with that because she will definitely be mochel ksuba in such a case. And therefore the husband uh, will lose out on that ksuba. And there's no way she's not going to be mochelas because 
they don't like each other. So she'll just be, she'll just be mochelas and she's just like, leave me be, I'm out of here. And perhaps we should say that she's going to be mochelas. Sorry, not the right word. Perhaps we should say that she'll sell her ksuba betovasana to the person who she harmed directly. So this is a great move. So she goes to the guy. So let's say Rachel and Ruven got in a fist fight. And she happens to be very good at jujitsu. And she just tore him to shreds. And she owed him 50 zoos. And when time comes, time comes, she goes to Bezdin. Bezdin says, Rachel, you owe Ruvain 50 zoos. She says, look, I don't have any cash, but I'm willing to sell you, I'm willing to sell you my ksuba for 50 zoos, even Stephen. Now, let's just do all the math. The guy who got hurt got exactly what he deserved, which was 50, with the possible chance, with an upside, with the possible chance of collecting on the ksuba. The husband, if ever they get divorced, will have to pay that money to the man that was hurt. Rachel basically is still safe in her marriage because the ksuba will have to be paid one way or the other, which means that the, the kunz of the ksuba that it should hold on to and protect her is still in place. Win, win, win. Good solution. So that's what we were saying over here because on the top of Petasamud Beis, the Gemara continues, the imachla legabe ba'al lo kamafsid, the hashtanami lo midi koyavale, Let's figure this piece out. If she wanted to be mochelis, her mechil is irrelevant. She's not the holder of the ksuba anymore. She can't be mochelis. It's not her star anymore. She gave it over to the guy that she punched in the face. There's nothing, no, nothing transacting between the two of them, the husband and wife. Says the Gemara, so so. The Gemara says, nevertheless, there is still some power for her to be mocheles and to say, I no longer want a ksuba. In which case, that would mess up the whole system. So then the Gemara goes and talks about another Bryce over here. What were we just discussing? We were trying to figure out why it is that a woman should not use her ksuba to pay the Baal. And then we spoke about the din of Shmuel, of Shtarcho, where we were concerned about Mechila. And the concern seems to still be there. And therefore, because of the concern of Mechila, Shmuel says, she should not sell her ksuba uh, or the tovasana of her ksuba to pay off the guy that she hurt. And therefore, piggy asanra, which is really what we're trying to establish. That's the deepest part of our Gemara, although it's not really mentioned too much in the flow of our Gemara. So then let's uh, keep let's keep going in our discussion. We're going to stop about 10 lines or so from the bottom of the page, maybe 12 lines, where it says, But in the meantime, let's spend a few more minutes together and learn the rest of this sugya. What about the rest of the brysa? This is actually um, a tosefta in the next parak. Uh-oh, now we have some domestic abuse issues. The Ruvain was her husband in this case, and she gave an elbow to the jaw. So it says the Gemara, ksubasa. She doesn't learn her ksuba, lose her ksuba. Amai, why not? She should sell her ksuba to her husband, it's 50 cents on the, let's say 25 cents on the dollar. Because that way, even if she is mocheles on the ksuba, at least he still made 50, 50, 50 zuz. 
says the Gemara, Ha vaday Rav Mary. This part of the Brisa, the Tosefta that we just read, that said v'chein he shechav lo bebaila, that is definitely the Shita of Rav Meir. Damar he holds aser laatam sheyishes ishto afilu shaachas belokzuba, because as mentioned, Rav Meir was of the opinion that uh, we can't do this because she should never be mocheles on the ksuba. It's not safe for her to do that. You're right. You check the box that he doesn't lose out entirely because he, again, made his 25 cents on the dollar. But Lamai says she can still be mocheles on her ksuba, which means that her marriage is not protected. And therefore, again, a woman should not do this. And that, again, leaves her in the category of Isha, Piggy Asan Ra. Says the... In which case... Mm -hmm. Yeah, not to be morbid or anything, but we see this victim profile all the time where women who are beaten in their marriages stay in their marriage. We see it a lot. It's not a, it's not an uncommon phenomenon. Oh, I'm so sorry. Who's apologizing to who at this point? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's very complicated. These, these kinds of cases. Says the Gemara, that was the din of Rav Meir. And we had said that the reason why was because uh, we don't want it to be easy for the husband to divorce the wife. Says the Gemara, but he, he should divorce her and then now she'll have cash. And now that she has cash, he should collect it from her. Because he was paying off with his own money. So he, owed, he, owed it he owed he owed the ksuba. They were getting divorced anyways. So that money is, you know, like you know, like when you write a check, even though it hasn't cleared in the bank, but you spent it already. Mm -hmm. Same thing. This marriage is over. He owes her 200 zoos. So he's just playing his cards. It's like, look, I'm down 200 zoos. I may as well get 50 zoos back. So he says, sweetheart, it's been it's been great. I hate you. We're getting divorced. They go to Besden. They write a get. Everything ends. He writes her a check for $10,000. And then she uh, has to write back a check for $2,500 for the damages, whatever the damage costs. We skip the next line, according to some of the Mephorshim, and we pick up with Kigon, about a, a third, a quarter of the way down on Petasim and Bays. What was the case over here? Kigon de Nafish Ksuvasa, where she had a little bit of a larger Ksuba than standard, that for that amount of money that's left over, lo mafsid tuva, there isn't too much that's going to be lost. And if her ksuva is larger than the minimal 100 of a ksuva, then nukma aksuva So we let her keep the base uh, 100 of the ksuva. Then she should sell that and basically pay him with the money that's above the minimal amount of the ksuva. Says the Gemara, that actually isn't the case. Rather, one third of the way down, really the case was that her her ksuba was a hundred. We all we say this that we add another hundred uh, that the husband added min dilan that he adds from his own. That's how we do our ksubas now. And what was our case? She hurt him with a damage of four zoos, which leaves over. Um, which basically, so that's four zoos. And Dimishum Arba Zuze, Lo Mafsid Esrim Vichamisha. He's not going to pay down 25 Sela, which is 100 zoos. They're speaking in a way that they assume we know their currency. We like, we would say four quarters is a dollar very quickly. They would say 25 Sela is 100 zoos. If he got damaged with a small injury of four zoos, he's not going to divorce her, pay 100 zoos, and then recollect four 
That is a fiscally irresponsible decision. Ella, so, so therefore, again, she remains in the case of Piggy Asanra. And the Gemara halfway down deals with one more brysa before we get to the end of the day. Elohadatanya, we have another part of this brysa. And this brysa is, is the same one that we saw v'chein, uh, a little bit above. And the brysa says, Kishem shelotimkor v'hitachtov, kach lo tafsid v'hitachtov. So the Gemara says that uh, just like she should not sell her ksuba, uh, also she should not lose out on her ksuba. What does this mean? Sometimes she does lose out. What would be a case where she would lose out on some of her ksuba dollars? The Gemara says, If the husband gave her more than the minimal 100, let's say he gave her 500. So the minimum is 100 and the full is 500. And in such a case, that yes, she would get to keep the base of 100, but if she injured him, she'd have to lose some of that extra money that was in the ksuba. Amar Seifa, that last case that we just learned of Kishem Shalotimkor, that case is Asa and the Ksubas Benindichrin. That's talking about a different case. It's talking about a case of Ksubas Benindichrin. This is something that we learned about a while ago. This is where a man is married to two different women, each of, each of them having a different amount of money in their Ksuba. And then the man dies. So the halacha is that ksubas benin dichrin means that the, these ksuba dollars go directly to the sons. It's not Yerusha. It's not Yerusha. It's not divvied up the same way. So the dogma, if there were brothers, we would say 2XXX, oldest, younger, younger. We don't do that here. This money is just given to the sons. Not in any, you know, ratioed kind of way because of bechor and non bechor Really, this is what's happening. That we assume that there is no loss to the sons in this case. My time, why would this be true? Because the only reason why uh, her ksuba was structured this way was because she needed money. She was forced into the selling her ksuba. And anytime a woman is forced to sell her ksuba, let's say in this case, she has to pay off someone who got injured, whatever the case may be. So there, the benindichrin don't lose out, my time, because she was forced to sell those zuz. We're not done with this sugya, but we're going to stop here and pick up tomorrow with a discussion more about Takana Susha, about 12 lines from the bottom of the page. Wishing you all a beautiful night.